G'day mate, Forty here. Bout nationalism comes to San Diego. It's a movement that's uh, sweeping the country most elite circles. Ah, it's good to get out of LA. Uh, in dealing with a little bit of anxiety I think I probably operate with a fairly high level of anxiety but I don't sit and then when certain events come up it just jumps out at me so I bought something about a month ago and it didn't work and so the guy I bought it from spent 150 bucks he said uh, said just uh, mail it back to me and just going to the post office gave me anxiety I tried to avoid the post office but first time I packaged it up tried to send it off uh, I figured it was about six ounces I figured oh, I'll just put about three dollars worth of postage on it got returned for insufficient postage so now my anxiety is Increasing now one thing I do know about anxiety the more I put off something that I need to do the worse my anxiety gets So I got back to the post office yesterday And then I've got this machine Right where it essentially measures your package it weighs your package you put in where you want it to send it Tells you how much postage you need you can get the return receipt requested for just like a dollar eighty for the electronic return receipt requested and so I managed to send off the package for about $10.80, but it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like tremendously anxiety promoting. So my, tri my trip to the post office wasn't as bad as I feared. But I don't know much about anxiety. I do know that I operate with probably a normal amount of anxiety and that this generally doesn't serve me. So one thing I do know that if I put off doing what needs to be done, the anxiety ramps up because I'm getting a dopamine reward for putting it off, for tiptoeing up to the edge of danger and then retreating. So, don't know much about anxiety, do know that uh, when there are things I need to tackle, I need to tackle them. If I put them off, the anxiety is just going to build. So, I think I've, I've internalized the lockdown during COVID because it, it probably exacerbates some, some trends that I have towards uh, more isolation than is good for me. So, gosh, that water looks good. Doesn't that look good? But I got an important appointment in about 40 minutes. I need to look my best, so maybe I won't go out into the into the ocean this morning. So I went and rented a car today. Oh man, I know a bloke, the last time he rented a car, he got so much anxiety that he accidentally triggered the, uh, the warning lights and then he couldn't figure out how to turn them off. So he drove back to the car rental 
And he was so anxious, he drove over the curb to the car rental place and blew a tire. And he's jolly lucky that he didn't get charged for that. Now, should you get the, the rental insurance when you, when you rent a car? It's like $20 a day for everything. Now, I know on my credit card, there's a considerable amount of insurance that they offer you when you rent a car with your, your credit card. You should probably investigate that. Probably have less anxiety driving. Well, it's about, it's about 68 degrees right now. So I normally I like to wear a t-shirt underneath to soak up the sweat and then a collared shirt. No, and then my seat seat. So I just got some new seat seat. All right, so I got brand new mesh seat seat. It's got six pair for about 50 bucks of mesh seat seat. Those are the, the fringes that are commanded in the book of, of Iikra, Leviticus. And then I've got a nice colored shirt on top to try to look like a professional. And I want to be a good representative for, for vouch nationalism. Here we find Hero Luke storming the Ricola beaches. Yeah, I'm storming the beaches to plant the flag for vouch nationalism. I hope I am not a contributor said anxiety you don't aim to be just have as no you're not the causes of my anxiety are entirely internal right they're entirely unhelpful mental patterns that i formed in childhood and in adulthood in combination with some probably some biological predispositions to uh too much alarm but uh, what's what's the best way to get at the root cause of anxiety because I've got money in the bank. So when I don't have money in the bank, I get terribly anxious about that. And that anxiety just bleeds over into everything. So I've got money in the bank, I've got health insurance, I've got stable income, I'm paying my, my, my savings every month. So I'm sleeping well, I'm leaving my CPAP on every, every night. When I wake up, there are like these big CPAP, uh, strap creases on my face float bro so float no see i think that's just palliating symptoms you have to get to the underlying thinking the to the learned behaviors that that give rise to the anxiety so i can exhaust myself through exercise right and and wow that seems like a great solution to anxiety but again i think that's only palliating the symptoms which has its uses but how do we get down to root causes of, of high anxiety? Asking for a friend. So I'm sleeping well. I'm exercising yeah, about five to 10 miles a day with walking and biking, working out. I'm in good shape. I'm getting a good night's sleep, but still have way too high levels of anxiety at times. So what happens is I'm just kind of floating through the day and just gliding along through my day. Thinking is for the loopy ones. Anxiety lives in the body. Yes, but the, the brain also lives in the body. Thinking comes from the body. There's no body-mind dichotomy. The mind exists in the body. The brain is a bodily organ, right? You can't separate the body and the brain. The brain is in the body. 
So what goes on in the brain affects the body, and what goes on in the body affects the brain. So I want to get down to root causes of anxiety, which means probably I need to do some research. It's just, I, I just kind of ignore it, I think. And, and then when it flares up, such as having to go to the, the post office, I noticed my anxiety like flaring up. And I was just so angry. I was just so annoyed. I was so ticked off that I spent $150 and this device didn't work. And then I knew I'd have to mail it back and then I'd have to pay for the postage. Then it took two trips. And it's like, that just tapped into something that my father would often say, that uh, the more stuff you got. Rumbum says the longest distance between the mind and the brain. How do you experience anxiety? Does it make you have panic attacks or other symptoms? I'm not aware of having a panic attack for forever. Uh, so don't have panic attacks. I just feel anxious. So I know it manifests in inferior decision-making. Has your mental churning solved your anxiety problem so far? Yeah, just totally taking care of it, mate. So how does anxiety manifest for me? Inferior problem-solving abilities, right? Or inferior choice-making. Choice so when I had high anxiety, when, I, when, oh, when my friend rented a car and He couldn't turn off the warning light, so he goes back to the rental place, and he was so anxious, he drove over the curb and got a flat. Well, that had never happened to him before. But his anxiety caused his reckless driving, which led to a flat tire. So that's how my anxiety manifests itself in inferior decision-making. So I no longer feel as in control of my life when I have anxiety. So loss of a sense of agency. Bausch nationalism would be tricky to side on, but nerd, fawn, sticks, and hammer would disavow. Uh, so, yeah, diminished loss of agency, inferior decision-making, uh, heart speeds up a bit. I'm not as at ease, not as comfortable, and uh, not as open. So my, my world just kind of shrinks down when I'm highly anxious. And... I think people in general tend to make worse decisions when, when they're anxious, right? If it's important to you to be a good person, it's important to me to be a good person. And so I don't like it, like if I were, God forbid, to drive over a curb and create a flat tire, even if I didn't have to pay for it, I would feel bad about that. Particularly if I, no, it was my anxiety that, that caused that. And then interactions with people. All right, I remember when I was feeling threatened in high school and these people were making fun of me. Like, I had an apple with me and I went up to this one guy and I just like crunched the apple like right in front of him. And uh, that was kind of idiotic. And I'm a little bit you know, embarrassed about that, that kind of behavior. Or when there was this girl I really liked in high school and she went to the senior prom with some other guy and then, oh no. Why am I losing, why am I losing? Okay, we're back, I think. Still learning how to use this uh, new gimbal. So there's this girl I really liked, and because I was anxious, I was like spreading rumors about her that 
that uh, she had massive sex with this guy. Say with me regarding anxiety, no panic attacks, just bad decision-making, irritability, desire to self-isolate. Yeah, that's what I experienced. The desire to self-isolate, bad decision-making, I get irritable and ticked off. I mean, think about my shows. Like, think about how I would yell at Dennis Dale if he didn't have his sound settings correct. Just start yelling at people. Come on, man. Like, for people and foibles and mechanical problems and audio problems, and I have no patience for, for people's like, technological shortcomings. I get very irritated. So the more pressure I'm under, such as when I'm doing a show and there are 10 things I need to be paying attention to, number one, my audio levels. Yeah, yeah, we remember the shows, yelling at guests over small things. Yeah, all right? So doing a show, there, there's a lot of, like there's a lot, a lot of pressure on. And so I would yell at guests over small things. I'd get really upset with people like, come on, I just noticed that I was, like, yelling at Dennis Dale, like, way too much. Like, I'm not proud of that. And, you know, I'd get irritated with a whole bunch of people. Uh, like, overly irritated. So, yeah, that was an example of my... Boy, I really don't know how to use this... Uh... I really don't know how to use this uh, gimbal. So... I'm not proud of the way I was yelling at people because that would then increase their anxiety which make them like more liable to say stupid things. So inferior decision making. Like I often start a show such as yesterday. I want to talk about what, what seems to unite many of the people on the right in particular who disdain nationalism. What seems to unite them is a disdain for individual dignity. So you see this with Richard Spencer, he loathes the Marjorie Taylor Greene types, he you know, loathes the Turks, he loathes those who opposed him on Charlottesville, he wants to destroy the Amish, uh, wants to destroy the alt-light, wants to destroy the conservative movement. Bloody hell, why is, why is my gimbal acting this way? I just charged it up, man. Shouldn't be doing this. Okay, so much to learn about this gimbal. But at least I get to attach the Shure mic to it so we get higher quality audio than if I was just using my, my iPhone. So I love it when I encounter people who, who are at ease. Like they're high functioning, effective at life, and they're at ease. Like things start to go wrong, and they don't spiral. So for me, often when things start to go wrong, there's often like a negative spiral that happens. So like one thing goes wrong, I get anxious about it. Then the more I'm anxious, the more other things tend to go wrong. Look out ladies, the dating trope. Luke actually likes long walks on the beach. That's true. I actually like long walks on the beach. And like in work situations, like one thing would go wrong, and then the more and more anxious I would get and then the more likely I would be to make mistakes and to yell at people. So I've noticed at work, 90% of the time when I want to get angry with people, that doesn't really serve me. 
So I, just, I try to hold it. So occasionally it does serve you. All right, because if you can deal with something, just like take care of it right away, then, then yeah, it, it serves you. But if your anger doesn't enable you to take care, take care of something right away, then it doesn't serve you. Bro, just lay down on those rocks. They will soothe your soul. Probably will, but I'm in a nice shirt and my nice jeans and got a nice meeting coming up. I think I may wait on that until later. See, my anxiety is pretty much gone now. Just came up when I had to go to the bloody post office. And then that made me realize there's that underlying issue. So spending a lot of time around other people, like particularly going to a dinner party where I'm not enjoying myself, that causes anxiety for me. So I usually try to, try to bolt. Yeah, I don't want to palliate with shrooms. I want to, want to deal with the thinking and the habits and, and rewire my central nervous system so that this is uh, less likely to happen. I don't think I've done a good job balancing my iPhone on this new gimbal. It doesn't exactly look, look straight to me. Live and learn. So sometimes what I'll do uh, when I need to be at a social engagement, let's say I'm volunteering in some capacity, uh, after, after about three or four hours, I'll probably isolate with a book for a while. Which comes first, the thoughts or the feelings? They come, often come together. They're, they're often indistinguishable because thoughts create feelings and feelings create thoughts. Right? They're, all, they're all operating from, from the same body. Thoughts, feelings, bodily reactions, they all roll together. So the more free your body is, the more free and easy your mind will be, and the more free and easy your emotions will be, the more free your emotions, the more free your body will be, and your thinking will be. The more restrictive your body, the more restrictive your thinking and your emotions. Right? Trying to be free and easy in the world. And I do feel that most of the time. Then I get those anxiety spikes. And the important thing to me about the anxiety spikes, it's not the anxiety spikes, but I think they're indicative of a larger problem. Like when you get something like anxiety spikes, that's not the problem. They're indicative of a larger problem. But you're probably walking around with a high level of anxiety and you're not even aware of it. It's just become endemic. It's just become like part of the background music in your life. And you're not even aware of what's really going on. You just kind of accepted it as, as normal. So I want to tap down the root causes. And, and one of them, I take from 12 step, much of the anxiety comes from trying to just manage your own life rather than connect with your higher power and your higher purpose. So I do notice that when I connect to my higher power and to my higher purpose, I have less anxiety. Oh, what happened to my sunglasses? I don't know, I left them in the car. Turn, turn, turn around. Being anxious, think about the good old pre coughness streaming era. <laughs> so, I want to develop that thought more that uh, nationalism breeds 
a sense of dignity, dignity of the individual. I'm going to do more research on that, but is it Leah Greenfeld? He's a scholar of nationalism. And once people experience that feeling of dignity, they don't want to give it up. And I notice many opponents of nationalism, I'm not wearing sunblock. Because I'm, I'm only out here for 20 minutes or so, and, and i got places to go, people to see, things to do. But yeah, I do notice that with many of the opponents of nationalism, is a tendency to have absolute disdain for their fellow citizens. So for Richard Spencer, it's the Amish, and it's the alt-light, and it's the conservative movement, and it's for uh, Kenneth Brown, aka Deep Left Jokal, for those who don't share his you know, metaphysical certitudes. And I know we all have various identities, but I think it should be important to have a, if you're an American, to have a strong American identity, I think it's in America's interest and in the best interest of Americans that it should be socially frowned upon to put any other identity ahead and above your American identity. So that's the advantage of nationalism is that it connects you to your fellow citizens. Like we're all in this United States of America. Right? We're all citizens. We have to live and work and love and walk on the beach together. And we, we share things in common. Right? We have shared interests. So it should be socially unacceptable, for example, to put your, say, your Jewish identity ahead of your American identity. Say, oh, you're voting because of Israel. That's your primary reason why you're voting, right? Or if you're black, to put your black identity ahead of being an American. Or if you're gay, your gay identity. Or if you're, you're a Christian, you're, you're voting on, on you know, Christian principles. America has a cultural problem due to not having a long history. Well, we used to be doing really well. Really, prior to the 1960s, there was much more of a shared American identity. Now, America's never had the cohesiveness, the social capital, and the social trust of an Australia or an England or a France or a Germany, but we were doing pretty well. So I think with the rise of American nationalism, it should serve as a uniting force among Americans with many different identities, racial, religious, sexual, cultural and that, that's the good thing about nationalism an army movie uh, Amish movie star for the hills yeah. and so there's nothing inherent in being an American that should distinct discourage one from also being a Christian or pursuing one's you know Jewish or Muslim or cultural identity but for healthy America I think public displays of putting other identities ahead of your American identity should be frowned upon. Now, I have no doubt that many strongly identifying in-group members, whether Jewish or Christian, hasn't civic nationalism proven to be a failure? Well, there's certainly some problems with it, but there are also a lot of strong points to it. America is the most powerful nation on earth. Uh, Billions of people want to move here. Uh, it offers you know, unparalleled freedom and, and prosperity. I think there, there are a lot of good things in civic nationalism. Now, civic nationalism doesn't have to be your only sense of identity. Like people may well have ethnic identities in addition to that, and religious identities, and cultural identities in addition to that. So having 
having some civic nationalism or having that is the social value for Americans, I think that's a pretty healthy way to go. And then people can build on that. June gloom, so yeah, it's probably about 70 degrees, the sun's just coming out. You need an elite citizen, served in the army, came under fire, so the vote means more. So if one endorses, say, civic nationalism, that doesn't mean that you don't seek other forms of, of group identity, all right? You can also have an intensive commitment to your, to your religious in-group or your ethnic in-group or your cultural in-group. But you understand the social norms are that we discourage you from publicly, ostentatiously throwing the face of your fellow citizens that your other in-group identity is more important to you. And that's just, that was, that's the way it was. Probably until the late 1960s, it was heavily, heavily frowned upon that Americans would put any other national identity ahead of their American identity. And then we had the rise of pluralism. Right, so pluralism weakens the people. This would have, have to come from our elites, and the only time our elites try to increase patriotism is when they want to bomb, bomb another country. I, I'm not sure our elites have been driving driving us bombing other countries, only certain portions of our elites. So doctors, generally speaking, will have more practical in common with other doctors around the world than with their fellow citizens. So that's the nature of professions. Dentists have more in common with other dentists around the world. Lawyers will frequently have more in common with other uh, lawyers around the world. Uh, professors of history, professors of sociology. So that's the nature of professions is that uh, it kind of tends against nationalism because you feel just much more in common when you go to conferences with other members of your, your profession. But I don't think it's gener our generalized elites who, who've driven foreign policy interventionism. It's part of our foreign policy blob that has driven this, both uh, among the Democrats and the Republicans. But I think we need a stronger sense of identity that much of this mental illness epidemic that's sweeping our country is due to people having to make too many choices and the more we multiply choices such as choosing your own sexual identity choosing your own religious identity uh, choosing your own ethnic identity uh, even though I've done that right I converted to Orthodox Judaism but in general when you multiply these choices it, it often exerts an enormous toll on people so you don't want to necessarily prohibit these choices but probably want to encourage people to develop bonds, such as vouch nationalism. If, you've got to, if you depend for a working life on a minimum of 10 people vouching for you, that should solidify your sense of identity. You're probably going to be less likely to screw around and, and goof off and uh, you know, go explore new identities if you need a minimum of 10 people vouching for you. So... I like American individualism, but I think we need to move more in a corporate, in a corporate direction. So that if you do something wrong, if you're irresponsible with a gun or with a car, then the people who vouch for you should have to pay some of that price so that people are fairly selective about who they vouch for. So I think this would build a sense of community. We just meant to make create an Antifa party so we can see it fail spectacularly. 
So I think the stronger one's sense of identity, the less one has to think about your identity, right, probably the more mentally strong you're going to be. So I notice people who stay, stay in the places where they've lived a long time, people who stay in their profession, people who stay in their relationships, people who stay in their religion, people who stay in their community, right, they tend to be more mentally stable. Right? I think there's, there's nothing that builds mental stability about having an identity that you don't have to think about, you don't have to make choices with. So one thing I like about Orthodox Judaism is that it precludes many choices in life for me. So I enjoy some degree of freedom to choose. And so that's why I'm not just, you know, 100% all in with, uh, with, you know, Orthodox Judaism, nothing else. And uh, Rustin says there's no benefit to being an ordinary American. Uh, I'm not sure, but people are definitely drifting to the edges. And so there are some, there are reasons for concern about America's future, right? There are reasons for concern about increasing fragmentation. 30 years here and you still don't understand my country. What can I say? Well, one thing I do understand is the importance of making money. So I am going to go make money. Bye-bye.